to overcome, succeed in dealing with a problem or difficulty, defeat of an opponent to prevail, overpower or overwhelm of an emotion, adversity, a difficult or unpleasant situation, used in a sentence, resilience in the face of adversity. I want to break free. All right, everybody, welcome back to episode 14 of the Overcoming Adversity podcast. I am your host, Blake Cohen, with my co-host, with the other half, Amanda Marino. Hey, good morning, good afternoon, (laughs) good evening. Good evening, good night. (laughs) Whatever time you're listening to this. Um, It's a double... Today's a double struggle for me. So I couldn't sleep last night. We're recording this, not early, but in the morning. I couldn't sleep last night, and it's Yom Kippur today. So I mean, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm not Orthodox Jewish, I'm, but I'm just Jewish, but today's a fast day. So I have to fast. I can't have anything besides water. Oh, that's fun. So, so no morning coffee. We, right, which is weird, though. Besides the morning coffee, it's weird because I'm not normally hungry yet right now but for some reason because i know i can't eat I'm oh yeah starving right now right when you can't eat then you want to eat i'm, I'm right. the same yeah but it is That's what awesome. it is it's all good how are you you'll get through it i'm great i'm great i'm so happy you're back from your honeymoon i don't know if you saw my meme i put up for you about with the baby you know crying that I, I, you know, it's just weird having you gone for two weeks because we talk so much, but I'm so happy that you and your wife, new wife, got to have that time together. Yeah, it was awesome. It really but was. I definitely felt the loss, the, the loss of Blake Cohen's presence in my life. That's nice. That makes one person. That's nice. <laughs> <laughs> oh, uh, so it was good? You had a good it time? It really was like, I swear to you, it was like the perfect trip. Not a single thing went wrong. We had a little Aww. one, you know, one of the hotels was an interesting experience where we upgraded because, of course, it's our honeymoon. You have to upgrade your room to Ocean View. And what they don't tell you is that that ocean view is right in front of a harbor where there's a foghorn that goes oh, God. every eight seconds for the no. boat coming into the harbor. So all night long, it's just. Ooh. <laughs> oh, man, that's terrible. All night long. So I go down and tell the lobby and they're like, oh, yeah, no, that's normal. Here's the earplugs. Yeah, no, I need to leave. Well, there was I no need my floor. sleep. It was like a small little place uh i'm sorry that doesn't sound very fun but the rest of the trip was good you guys had like honestly that's the only thing i can complain about everything else. okay and you were gone for two weeks so that's must have been awesome no it really was we did so many different cool things we really explored the coast and like we there wasn't a second where we were tired of each other nothing it was it was perfect i loved yeah it looked like you guys had a great time were that like i'm so happy for you we're that annoying couple that just doesn't have issues. Like we just love each other so much. We're best friends. Like we are that couple. That's so cute. Um, you had some cool stuff that happened, right? You were offered a video, a music video or something like that. Tell me about that. Yeah, definitely unique um, at 38 years old to be asked to be in a, a music video. I mean, I haven't done one of those since I was 25. Um, Alex Marley had reached out to me, who I met at your place at Recovery Unplugged, and wanted me to play a, a role in his music video in Kingston, Jamaica. That is so, crazy. 
Yeah, it was, it was crazy. But I think that after processing it with you and a few other people, like, you know, I was very honored and, and humbled and, um, you know, flattered, but I just, it, the timing wasn't right. Things weren't, weren't flowing. And I had to look at it like ego is the main reason I wanted to do it. So I, I, I declined. Okay. Well, I, I think that's uh, probably the good move, honestly. Yeah, it would have been fun, but it's okay. And honestly, I don't think it would have brought too much to you. I, I, I think it was the good move. And so you, you were asked to play what, the grandma in the video? No. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> I was asked to play Miss Miss Hollywood. No, I know. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah. A mess. It, it was very flattering. For anybody listening who doesn't know Amanda, Amanda's like in great shape. She's like a killer dancer. Like I'm just messing with her. I know. Thank you, Blake. <laughs> well, it's really great to be back on our podcast. And like while you were gone, you know, I had some great people come across the path. So, you know, I'm super excited to um, to have our guest on with us today. I know that you got to read a little bit about him and connect with him a little, Blake. Um, so, yeah, we brought on Anthony. Um, Anthony is from Brooklyn, New York, which, like Blake said, you'll be able to tell right when he says hello. From the Bronx. Um, no, the Bronx. The, the Bronx. Bronx. Don't mix oh, the that Bronx. up. The Bronx. Oh, my God. I'm sorry. That's like saying like Long Island and Queens. I apologize. Um, I'm so yeah. sorry. <laughs> from the Bronx. I mean, I love Brooklyn. I got love for Brooklyn, though, let me say. Okay. I got love for Brooklyn. So, so my story with Anthony is I've known Anthony's significant other um, for a few years, and she's somebody that's like very, we're very heart connected and soul connected, I, you know, like kind of like soul sister. I, I have a lot of deep love for this woman. Um, and I met her while Anthony was locked up and she was, you know, kind of holding it down out here with their daughter and really just counting down the days till she got to be with him again and believe that he was doing, you know, going to do the right thing and, and that he had changed and had full belief in him. And when he, you know, I've got to witness the past few years of their, them being reunited and, and the, um, and just the beautiful blessings that have come in their life. So I think Anthony is like a perfect example of overcoming adversity and somebody we're so excited to have on our show. So Anthony, thank you for coming on. Uh, I'm honored and humbled to be on here as always, you know. Yeah, you've got a, so, <laughs> just reading through some of the stuff that you've got, um, you know, I'm, I'm picturing you in the Bronx. You, you used the, um, you use the words like, like the crack era in your, in your email about what you were going through. So I'm picturing you in the Bronx, you know, in New York during the crack era and what that must have been like. Tell me, how old were you during that, that period? I was in my early teens. Um, so I started like around maybe 12, 13 years old. Um, it was like Vietnam, to be honest. Um, you know, I always stated that Barbara Walters actually did a, a special on 2020 back then, and they referred to the Bronx to Vietnam. Wow. And my neighborhood was no different. Like, that's what it was. It was burnt down buildings, people walking around like zombies, uh, stepping over bodies, everybody just hustling on the block. You was either selling drugs or doing drugs. And, um, my neighborhood just wasn't no different, you know, so it would be the adapt or die. You know, we, we get all the, like the movies that sort of romanticize that time. I mean, 
they, they make it seem bad, but it's sort of romanticized in movies as all the gangsters who were running, running all the drug rings in that era. But, but we don't think about the other side of it and all the people who were struggling and affected by it. And, and you were and one the of children. Them. The children, exactly. Right. So you, were, you started yeah. using around that age? Uh, yeah, I started, me, me and my friends, uh, we started hanging out. I met my best friend who started, who started the little clique in my neighborhood. His name is Sean, go by Ewok, I gave him the name Ewok. Um, we formed a little clique in my neighborhood back then, just a bunch of young kids hanging out. And I remember the first time, you know, we used to be into everything. Um, going to other neighborhoods, just there was no limit to us. You know, that's that's what we were, we were like little goonies. We like to explore other neighborhoods. And then I remember one time in a known drug area in the Bronx on 183rd, we found like a pound of weed and came back. We started smoking. And then um, as the drugs got more popular and we got more involved, we started doing coke. And um, yeah. Now, did anyone, did anyone ever try to like warn you guys? Like, you know, you know, this is the neighborhood you grew up in, like, just, but be careful, don't use drugs. Like, did you guys ever have messaging like that or anyone teaching you anything different from the yeah, things you were I, seeing? I, I, absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> actually, you know, absolutely not. Um, you know, there was some of the older guys that used to try to, uh, you know, kick out behind asses, you know, get off the freaking block. But then when they realized that, hey, you know what? these kids are good for something and they can hold the drugs. The police won't mess with them. They can ride around their skateboards and little bicycles and hold the drugs. So it was easier for us to get involved being pawns. And uh, that's oh. how we got started. That's how we got started. You know, we was able to make a little couple of month, uh, a couple of dollars to go buy a pair of sneakers or a hat or, you know, something of that nature. And um, we just got more involved. And it made you feel part of, I assume. Oh, absolutely. It, 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 it definitely uh, felt good and independent. You know, growing up in a household, being the youngest, I lived in a two-family house on Elm. And it was me, my mother, my father, my three brothers, my sister, my cousin, his girlfriend, other cousins, then my grandmother and uncle downstairs. And everybody was either drunk or on some type of drugs, except my mother and my grandmother. So it was uh, trying to just fit in and being the youngest, everybody always tried to take advantage of me. So I, I, I grew up with this attitude and this mentality, like I'm not gonna be a victim. And um, it was always fight, always had fights with my uncle. You know, he would always try to hit me when he was drunk and I just wait till he gets more drunk and then I just bust him upside his freaking head with a bottle. And then I, I can't come home. I have to wait till he pass out. And, <laughs> and it, were, it, it was definitely. When you, were, yeah. when you were growing up, did it ever, did you want to be something outside of the neighborhood? Or did it seem like living in that neighborhood and living that lifestyle was the only option? Is that what you wanted to grow up to be, to be, you know, to be just a member of the neighborhood, uh, to be running drugs? Or was there another dream that you had? To, to be honest, um, no, there was no other dream. Um, I just wanted to be a, a, a what we call a hood legend. 
Yeah. I wanted to be a big time drug dealer and I wanted to be infamous in my neighborhood and I didn't care about the world. All I cared about making a name for myself and people either respected me or feared me. I didn't really care whether they loved or hated me. It didn't matter. Just, that was my goal. It like speaks so much to, I'm just sitting here thinking like the, the importance of role models in our kids' lives and how important it is to set a good example and to give them to show them that there are options out there and there are ways out and there's a, a good path and a bad path to take. Um, to you, that was the good path at the time because it seemed like that's what, that's what the goal in the neighborhood was and there was no one to tell you anything different. Yeah, that was it. That was the, that was that, the that, goal. That's exactly what it was. That's all it was. We didn't have no role models. We didn't have no sports figures. We didn't have no, you know, Nobody in the neighborhood that was doing something positive. Everybody was either selling drugs or doing drugs, you know? Did it uh, seem wrong to you or did it seem right? To be honest, it just felt normal. It felt normal. Right. So it didn't didn't know anything. I didn't know anything else. Right. Wow. Anthony, tell us a little bit about your brother, Jesse. I know you mentioned in the email, but you didn't really elaborate. what happened to him and so my oldest brother jesse um you know let me just say so growing up it seems like we all had our little specialties in crime growing up me and my brothers and stuff and my brother jesse's specialty was uh burglary and breaking into things and robbing you know my brother david stealing cars my brother robert was just robbing people and me selling drugs. So my brother, Jesse, I always looked up to him. I always idolized him because he always uh, seemed no matter how much drugs he was doing, he always seemed to have money and, you know, he would always come through and give my mother a couple of bucks, buy me my first pair of Timberlands. Anyway, um, he wound up robbing the wrong person, broke into somebody's house and, uh, they caught him and, you know, they, um, they wound up beating him down and dragging him out of a third floor apartment building in the Bronx, um, torturing him. And then they threw him off the roof. Um, wow. you know, and, and the sad part about that is that, you know, they stripped him butt naked. So when he had died, he had no ID, you oh. know? And, um, so they buried him at St. Pottersfield. And uh, I recall my mother before, uh, a couple years before that happened, she kicked him out the house, you know, and that was like the first time she kicked him out the house because he came to the house like really high and um, came up with this story. He sold one of my jackets that I had and um, he was like, no, he got robbed. And I'm like, you're lying, freaking sold it. He sold his freaking jacket, get the fuck out. And then he went missing. Then a couple of years later after that, um, you know, my mother spent her life savings and everything because nobody had heard from him. Jesse was the type that he disappears for a little bit and he would either go to Philadelphia with my aunt out there or, you know, in the neighborhood, he always showed back up. Right. After nobody hearing from him for like two years, three years, my mother got a private investigator and, um, they wound up finding him and um, buried in St. Pottersfield. So they exhumed his body and gave him a proper burial. And um, 
to this day, I think that's what caused my mother to have a couple strokes. Mm. Um, she did the best that she can. And um, I was locked up when I found out about it. And when I found out about it, and my family found out that I found out, <laughs> they didn't want me to come back to New York. They feared that I was either going to do something stupid or I was going to be next. That was the life right. I was in, so I had to I had to move out to Philadelphia, and um, Philly was no different for me, you know. Right. I did ten years and, and moved out to Philly, and um, you know, still it's gotten to the same old thing. Got right but back yeah, into Jesse, it. Yeah, Jesse. Um, well, wherever you, you know, go, you take you with you. You know, that's what they say. Wherever you I, go, you take you with you until you change. That that is exactly right. You know, and that's what I tell people nowadays that, you know, and to you figure out who you are and what you want in life, you know, no matter where you run to, if you don't change your mentality of what you want to succeed in life, then you're still going to repeat the same behaviors. You know, and I had to learn that the hard way. Because as I said in my email, I've been to, everywhere I've moved, I, I either got in trouble or did prison time. And it wasn't until now that I, it kind of clicked on me. Can you, you know? touch a little bit on, like, I know you spent some serious time in prison. Like, what, I know that that could be a whole episode or a whole few hours on its own, because I'm sure the experiences that you endured in that time. Just, can you tell us a little bit about, like, just, like, what it was like, and then, you know, this time, what was different? What changed you? Like, kind of, that, like, how you feel like you overcame this time? Because, I, you know, of course, the whole time in prison, I, I could sit there and pick your brain on that for a lifetime because that interests me uh -huh. so much. But something right. different happened well, to you this time. All right. Well, let, let, let me say this, and, and, I, and I don't say this to glorify this, just say, to say that, you know, how fucked up I knew I was. The first time I, I got locked up, I was around 12 years old. And for some reason, I never had a problem being in prison or jail. It, it, I really never did, you know, and it was okay with me. It was like, it's part of the game, right? And this it's all, time- It's all part of the life. That's included in yeah, life. Exactly. You know, and I, and, and I was really okay with it. Like, you know, as I said, I, I've done about 22 years. And I'm not talking about, I, I wasn't one of those guys that go to jail for six months, you know, and come home. Whenever I went away, I went away for three years, four years, 10 years, five years. You know, I, I go away. Um, and I got to say on this last time, um, I went to federal prison. From federal prison, I, I got transferred to the state prison down here in Florida. And for the first time in my life, I actually just kind of sat back and analyzed my life and the direction that it was going to, going in. And seeing what was going on in the Florida Department of Correction scared the shit out of me. Let me tell you something, out of all the prisons that I've been to, Florida State Prison has to be the worst. I've ever been to these conditions down here, horrid, you know, what makes it the worst? Every sense of the world. in every sense of the world. So Florida, uh, is the rest state, as you know, um, they don't get paid for their services. The food is horrible. The conditions and living is horrible. They mix 
people that are doing, you know, a year and a half to life in the same prison camp. Down here, they call them prison camps. Right. And and, and that's where where the problem lies at. So you have a lot of gangbanging, you have a lot of rapes, you have a lot of killing, a lot of stabbing every day. And a person like me that had to do 14 months, I was sent to the worst of the worst down here. You know, mm. I, I went to Washington State Prison up in the Panhandle. From there, I got sent to uh, Santa Rosa, which was on lockup Raw. And I used to work in the hospital up there. And let me tell you something, the stuff that I used to see up there was just, it was horrible. It was horrible. The week that I left, the week that I left, Three people had got murdered and one person committed suicide and it wasn't even determined yet if, if he actually did commit suicide or his cellmate, cellmate killed him. Um, and I, I got to tell you, it, 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 it scared me. It's like, you know what, like, do I really want to be this person? Is, like, is this going to be my life? I got grandkids now. And I don't know what you will call it, but... I knew at one point that I prayed and God answered me in a way that I can't even explain. How so? And, this, and, and a calm came over me. And it said that, that, that I'm worth it, that I can be a better person. Because I always knew, you know, in the back of my mind that I can be a good person, that I don't have to be a follower, that I can be a leader and I can take control of my life. Right. You know, I wasn't, a, I'm, I'm not a dumb person by far, you know, and I can make my own decisions. And I just felt that it's time for me to just say, you know what? Enough is enough. Now let me take control of my destiny and let me make right positive choices. I you can't know? imagine and, the sense of gratitude that you must have coming out of what you came out of, spending so much time in prison and then coming out and now having this world of opportunity in front of you that you never even knew existed or you never wanted for before. I can't imagine the sense of gratitude that you must feel every day. It, it, it's amazing. You know, one of my things that I advocate and I tell people all the time, like if you look at my Instagram or my Facebook, I don't post nothing negative anymore. I, I post all positive stuff. And even some of my, my friends that I grew up with, when I talked to them on the phone, you know, they go, damn, like you, like you really changed. Like, it's not an act, <laughs> you know, it's not an act. Like you really changed. And, and, and I say, you know what? Because I can't. Like yeah. why, you know, we, we talk about this in the rooms that, you know, insanity is doing the same thing over and over and over again and expecting a different result. Right. Mm-hmm. And I had a sponsor that he's always tell me, Anthony, Let's play the tape over. Let's take a few minutes, play the tape over. So every morning when I wake up, when I think about doing something stupid or doing something right, doing something stupid and trying to get ahead faster, I know the end results. But time has proven I've been home two years now. I've been promoted two times in my job. I got my own office. I have an assistant. Um, I've been able to now give my wife and my daughter the opportunity to look around to buy a house 
that I can purchase for them. And it's all from busting my ass. I, I go to work every day, an hour early. I leave late. You know, my my thinking has changed. And when, when I wake up and I look around, I know that I'm not in a cell block and, and I'm not being told what to do. My probation officers, they don't even mess with me. They don't even mess with me. And that's a beautiful thing. They trust you. How crazy is that? People trust you. <laughs> you know, and, and it is. And it's, and it's amazing. Like, they don't, they tell me, like, Anthony, like, you're probably one of the best guys on our case, bro. Like, we don't have to worry about you. And let me tell you, I don't have a curfew. I don't have a curfew. But yet, I still do the same thing today as I did when I came home. I either go to the gym, go to work, I come home. Hmm. How is it getting to hug that little girl when you wake up in the morning? Oh, she, uh, loud, um, (laughs) definitely got, um, she's a, she's an angel though. She, she's, you know, her her mother, they definitely, uh, two peas in a pot, you know, sometimes they just go at it in the morning because she stood up late. And uh, <laughs> she definitely has it. But the blessing to be able to hug her, you know, to be able to oh like, God, like, hug her, like, you know. Saying, like, yes, you know, like I be sleeping sometimes when she wakes up in the morning. And like sometimes she just runs and just gives me this greatest hug before she goes out to school. Mm-hmm. And that alone is like, wow. Because I, I never really had that with my other kids because I was always out of their life. Because I was always away. You know, and mm-hmm. to now to feel that unconditional little love that is so big is amazing. You That's know? awesome. So you really turned everything that was going on in your life into, into a testimony and to a story. What, what would be, for anybody who's listening, who's growing up in a bad area, what would be your message to them? That you don't have to be a follower. Mm-hmm. Be the oddball. You know, be the oddball. It's easier to stay on the straight and narrow path than to follow the crowd because following that crowd definitely has a stop sign. And whether that stop sign be death, prison, or addicted to drugs, it stops. Your life stops. Going on a straight now, there's no limit to where you can go to. I think that's a message for anybody, not just who grew up in a bad neighborhood. That's a message for any kid out there today that you don't have to be a follower. And being a follower will get you nowhere. And you're not a product of your circumstances. You know what I mean? Like being a woman who was abused as a child, like I believe that I was destined to be screwed up. And like, you know, just because you grew up the way you grew up doesn't mean that you are destined to live a life like you saw around you. You There's bigger and greater things out there for you. Right. I, and, you know, I, I just want to take something back that I just said, that being a follower will get you nowhere. That, that's not true. Being a follower can get you just a, a just fine life also. You know, it'll be just fine. But being a follower will never give you your dreams. You'll never be able to fulfill all of your potential if you just be a follower. So you kind of have to be that oddball, like you said, and break that mold if you want greater things for yourself. All right. And, and you know, like, let, let me just say this for those that are out there listening, you know, to all the adults and the fathers, 
one one of my things, you know, I do a lot of service and um, a lot of people ask me how did I how did I change my thinking and how am I able to do what I'm doing now with a criminal background and how am I able to walk away from certain situations and ones I don't put myself in those situations anymore. Um, so I, I strongly believe that I would never allow my past to dictate my future in a positive way to say that I can't do something. And one of the biggest issues and problems today in our neighborhood, and I'm not just talking about urban neighborhoods, I'm talking about everywhere, okay? Whether you're white, black, Hispanic, Chinese, doesn't matter. We don't have enough father figures out there. We don't have enough people that are taking on that responsibility to guide our young children into a positive role model, you know? And one of the things that I'm, I'm definitely working towards is to start a nonprofit organization called FED, and it stands for Fathers Educating Daughters and Sons. And it's starting to give back to go into neighborhoods and mentor some of these young kids that, you know, don't have a father figure in their life, you know, to take them out and, and, and show them something different, you know, show them basic necessities of life. You know, I love that. Yeah. And, and, you know, and, and I believe that's every, that's all our responsibilities, all our responsibilities. I, I go up to this group home up in Riviera, and I go speak up there and I tell them all the time, like I've been there, I know exactly what you want to do. But the truth of the matter is that they have the potential. I've seen so much talent in jail. I've seen so much talent in prison that it goes to waste. You know, because guys come out with this mentality, with this mentality and they resentful and they the recidivism is you know, F the government, F this, and, you know, whenever we say F the government, F the, the system, and that, what we're really doing is fucking ourselves. Excuse my language, but that's what we're doing. Because the truth of the matter, the government don't care. Right. Take accountability. Be responsible for your actions, okay? And show that you can do better. Agreed. You know? Yeah. Agreed. Sometimes, you know, I, I hear that kind of the F the government, F the man, that type of stuff, and... You know, the fact of the matter is, is, is it's there so that it's, it's our responsibility to work within those constraints to get what we want out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, Anthony, I want to ask you, because we only have about a couple minutes here left. Um, sure. I want to ask you, because you, you've obviously done a lot and you've really turned your life around and you, you've got a really inspiring message, but you also have a book that's out on Amazon. Tell us a little bit about that and what's that, what's that about? What's the title? Where can we find it? Okay, so my book is called Thug's Revenge, Coward's Nightmare. Um, it's a book that takes place about my neighborhood. Um, and it's really a ghetto love story when you read it uh, because I truly believe that if we don't have love, we, we lost. You know, and it's about two characters making decisions that's going to alter their life forever. One in a negative way and the other in a positive way, you know. Um, and it's just all based around my neighborhood and stuff that um, I've seen that we experience. And 
you know, you can find it on Amazon. You can, you know, Facebook me on Anthony Rough Rider, you know, Instagram me on Anthony Cologne 188. Uh, I'll get them out to you. But the book is, is, you know, a lot of people hear the title and they think, it's, man, it's just such a negative book. Or it's just going to be really street-tailed and about mur- murder and drugs. And it is. There's it, it, a lot of that in there. You know, of course, because that's what I grew up with. But right. when you really read it, it's, it's a love story that's just, to me, is just so beautiful because a person makes the ultimate decision. Either to sacrifice a life, to have a life, or does he walk away yet to give life? Well, for anybody out there who is interested in the book, we're going to post it in the show notes on Apple and on Spotify. I will also make a post on our Facebook page about it. I also just left you a review for the book um, on, on the Amazon page. So wow. Add another five-star review on there. I got you. I got Thank you. you. Thank you. Appreciate uh, that. Yeah, no worries. So is there any uh, last messages or anything that you want to give to our listeners before we, we sign off? Yeah. You know, for those out there that are struggling, for those that are out there that feel that the world is bleak, there is help. Just got to put in the footwork. There's help out there. You know, take control of your life and your destiny. Don't allow your circumstances to dictate what your future can be like. You know, things may seem bleak now, but you have the power to turn that around into a positive. That is the human nature. We can do good. We are good. Hmm. You know? That's a message, man. Well, Anthony, thank you so much for coming on. Thank you, Anthony. Really, hey, it's been a pleasure. Thank you, Blake. Thank you, Amanda. I'm humbled. I'm honored. And uh, again, thank you for your services that you're doing. I, I think they're bringing a lot of um, awareness to you know people out there that they can't overcome anything they put their minds to. I think so. Yeah, too, you're man. definitely a testament of that, and being yeah. witness to it from from a you know close distance, it's it's beautiful to see what's happened in your life and your daughter's life and Jackie's life. So I'm super happy for yeah, you. you no, know, they're and, amazing. And my son Anthony, and my son Anthony, you know, he's awesome, awesome young man. I have my two grandsons. How about that? My granddaughter, my daughter Shakira, my granddaughter Nevea. You know, I want to say hi to my sister, Maddie, my family, my friends, and everybody that's out there. Man, God bless. Take care. Stay focused and keep pushing forward. All right. Well, you heard Thank it first. You, Anthony. Hear from Anthony. Stay focused and uh, stay blessed, everybody. And thank you for listening to episode 14. Amanda, any last? Oh, wait a second. We oh, had yeah. two, we had two weeks away. We almost <laughs> forgot our segment. Um, <laughs> we, have totally a, we have a little last segment that we're kind of throwing on you, Anthony, and we're surprising you with called Let It Out, where we give every one of our listeners a chance to go ahead and let it out, that we all overcome these major adversities in our life, but we also live through minor adversities every single day. And sometimes, as you know, a problem shared is a problem cut in half. So we want to give you that opportunity to, is there anything that's bothering you today, whether big, small, petty, or serious? Is there anything bothering you or you're, that you're struggling with today that you want to just let it out and talk about? You know what, to be honest with you, 
that's really not the only thing that really bothers me is that people be making excuses. Stop making excuses on why you can't do something. Find a reason. Find a reason to do it to achieve it. Stop making excuses. Mm. You know, I, I can't. I, 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 it, it, it irks Cut me the when I talk to somebody. <laughs> exactly when somebody say, "Oh, well, I can't do it. I'm not like you. I'm not. You are exactly like me. I'm no better." Find a reason to live. Find a reason to keep pushing forward. Okay. Find a reason. Stop making excuses for why you can't. You can. I love you all. I love it. I like it. Amanda? Uh, mine, you know, I feel like I go back to the same topic because it's just somewhere I spend a lot of my extra time. It's the gym. <laughs> I know I've complained about the gym before. Mm -hmm. so my let it out now is all the big weights being left on all the machines. Like, it's something so silly, but like, I feel like I'm this 38-year-old mom who's having to undo all the 45 pounds off the leg machines from like big giant dude that was just on there that's too lazy to do it. So like, put your weights back, bro. <laughs> yeah, that's like general you know I mean? gym etiquette. You got to put is. your stuff back. It's like, well, and I like, I see, and, and, and like wipe your, wipe your sweat too. I mean, it's like, I'll clean everything before I get on and off of it. But like, you know, come on, help me out a little bit here. So that's my let it out. Stop being lazy especially to the big guys leaving the, the heavy weights on the leg machine. And let me make everybody That's feel bad for your let it out. Let me make everybody feel bad. My first job as a 14-year-old, I weighed like 105 pounds. <laughs> as a 14-year-old, my first job was working at Gold's Gym in Boca Raton, putting weights away that people didn't re-rack and Aww. wiping down their sweat. And it was Ew. the worst job <laughs> ever. I also, by the way, discovered what's, what's in those little boxes in the women's restrooms that are boxes next to the toilets. I discovered what's in those, and that <laughs> was horrible. But Rank. I, I went home because of it. I was, like, scarred. <laughs> I went to my boss, like, I got to go, and I just saw something. But I, to make you feel bad, there, there's somebody's job to walk around that gym and put those weights away at the end of the day, and it is awful. Um, and it's usually yeah. some kid who uh, yeah. who can't even lift those weights. So, um, yeah. might let it out. I but guess usually they only do like one, and they only do like one rep, and that's it. Right, right, right. Right, just, right. They look around the room and make sure everybody saw it. Yeah. So, um, <laughs> my let it out's really the same as Anthony's. I think today, you know, I I didn't really have one, and then Anthony said it, and you know, I'm I, I I'm agreeing with him. Just I'm. I'm I'm dealing with a lot of people with a lot of excuses right now who are just looking for, they're looking for a way out of their struggles, but they're not willing to do anything about it. And it, it frustrates me because I know what's on the other side and I know what they're capable of, but there's so many people who just think that it's just going to be given to them and that they don't have to do anything. And as long as they complain for long enough, that somehow their a better life is going to find them, and it's just I, I'm tired of the excuses. I just want them to to put in the hard work because I know what it can give them and how rewarding it could possibly be. So it, I, I'm a little frustrated with that right now, and I'm hungry. Yeah, yeah. No, I'm <laughs> <laughs> so, all right. Well, thank you everybody for listening to episode 14 of the Overcoming Adversity podcast. You could find us on Apple, on Spotify, on Facebook, on Podbean. 
We are out there. Do us a favor. Go leave us a review on any of those platforms. Throw up a five-star review. If you don't think that we're worth five stars, then uh, just pretend like I never said what I just said. And <laughs> I hope you in, are enjoying this podcast. Anthony, you are incredible. You've got an amazing story. So thank you again. Yeah, thank you so much. And um, yeah, follow us, download us, subscribe. We're on Instagram. We're um, on Facebook. And if you want to become a guest, please email us at overcoming overcomingadversitypodcast at gmail.com <laughs> with, with two paragraphs about yourself. Not a, not a whole book, please. Thank you. Perfect. And if you, if you do send us a whole book, we're going to publish it on Amazon. So, all right, everybody. Have a good one. Thanks, everyone. I want to break free.